0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Take the Money and Run. Yeah. It's an absolutely rigged system. What we need is five-star reviews so we can start the podcast revolution. Now, who is going to leave
1: a five-star review?
0: That's it. That's all I got. I'm sorry. Are
1: you doing, Are you doing Bernie? I was trying. You pinko commie scum!
0: Ah, I thought you might get some kick out of it. Yeah. Anyway, we need to take the fucking five star reviews from the from the elites of the the top ten lists and and sprinkle them down on the the lower ninety nine percent of podcasts.
1: Uh, you know? I mean, to be fair though, they are a lot better at it than us.
0: I know. I looked <laughs> at... <laughs> I Only was looking at... We the
1: authenticity, man.
0: We do. This is like... I don't know. This is like a garage band, but like shittier. Uh,
1: I've, I've met some pretty shitty garage bands.
0: I know. But like we're not even in the same garage. Far out. So anyway, thanks for listening. Everybody To another episode of Take the Money and Run. Um, Thank I'm you, James.
1: accomplices.
0: I'm James Degro. That, of course, is Will Barracat. Yeah, and uh, we got some fucking heists and shit to talk about. Let's do uh, it. Uh, did uh, before we get into that, um, big news today. I don't know if you were paying attention or give a shit, but they uh, they arrested. Uh,
1: oh, uh, yes, the, I saw that.
0: The Green River Killer. I mean, I'm sorry. Fuck, I fucked it up already. I've been put. I've been making that that mistake in my mind all day. Golden State Killer.
1: The original Night Stalker.
0: The original fucking Night Stalker. The, the fu-
1: Vandalia Bandit or something. Uh,
0: he was like the, he was. Uh, yeah, something like the something ransacker. Vandalia, Vandalia
1: Ransacker and the East Area yeah.
0: Rapist. In the East Area, rapist. Jesus fucking that Christ! That guy did a lot of raping. That guy was fucked up. Um,
1: well, and let's let's not forget to point out. Apparently, he had a tiny dick.
0: Well, I didn't I didn't see that in anything.
1: Oh, I Where... I heard that uh, <laughs> the Case File Podcast. Shout out to Case File Podcast, by the way. They basically it's – it's a guy – I mean he's already doing better than us because he's got an Australian accent. But oh. uh, yeah, he he kills it. He kills
0: it with the True Crime podcast. Oh, man. That's a, that's a good one. I'm going to have to check it out.
1: Oh, definitely. But, uh, he did like a three-part series on that. And I didn't even know about this until like two weeks ago when I heard it. And I was like, what the fuck? This is – why didn't I hear about this before? This is gnarly. And then they caught mean- him.
0: He was basically operating around pretty much areas that you lived sometimes, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was pretty close to there. I was in uh, I was in Davis. I wasn't exactly in Sacramento, but actually no, I think he did get someone from Davis.
0: I, don't, I yeah. I didn't look at like the crime statistic map, but holy shit. Um, yeah, there's like 50 something known rapes, um, dozens of murders, uh, hundreds of like rob like burglaries. Yeah. He would just like he he would keep calling rape victims after after all the like for years after he would like call them, and be like, Don't fucking tell anybody. Um but it, it turned out that he was an ex cop. So yeah. he was he was a cop while he was doing this. I don't know. Really crazy shit. Well he ended um, up but... getting fired
1: because he like shoplifted a hammer dog <laughs> repellent that I think he was gonna use in some of his
0: burglaries
1: yeah he got caught doing that
0: yeah that that's weird enough and then and then he got fired from the police force and i don't know what he did after that but but yeah so that's been that's been true crime boner today
1: yeah yeah good for them i guess that's dna evidence uh and the hard work of some good cops and uh DAs and such paying
0: off. Yeah, man, that's that's really intense. Apparently, like somehow they managed to get a tip or something. Um, I heard one story where uh, like one of his daughters suspected that he was the person. So she like gave a DNA sample to try and get a match. And within some tip or something like five or six days, they were basically outside this guy's house. Staking him out, and like he, they waited till he put out some garbage or something, and then went and dug through it, and like got got a DNA hundred percent match for like the East Area Rapist DNA. So he's fucked.
1: Oh yeah, I think he's already admitted to also being the Vandalia Ransacker, which a lot of people suspected. But
0: oh, okay. As of this morning, I didn't think he, that was confirmed yet. Yeah, that this... could
1: that could have just been uh a scuttlebutt or whatever, but.
0: I mean, it's it's developing as we speak. Yeah, that, crazy. That, Bill Cosby's going away. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that today on the on the sprawling news. Dang. Yeah, you well, got it. Whatever.
1: I guess it's a bad time to be a rapist.
0: Dude, I don't, yeah, I, uh... I was trying to think it uh yeah I I don't know if there was a, a rapist maybe um I don't know no probably not no it's not take a big stance never <laughs> never, never this, okay
1: this podcast <laughs> is very officially anti
0: rape anti rape league um <laughs> so before we fucking get any more in fucking rape joke trouble um Let's talk about the British Bank of the Middle East, specifically um, the uh, Beirut um, branch in Lebanon, or Beirut, Lebanon. So uh, 1975, um, if you want to kind of start to set the stage, um, Lebanon's multi-sectarian. It's got Sunni Muslims, Shia Muslims, Christians. Um, The largest sect of the Christians um, was this uh, church called the, the Maronite Christians. Um, they also had uh, like their, I guess you could call them their militant wing was called the, the Um But uh, anyway, um, the Maronite Christians uh, had like a um, an influence over the elites in Beirut and shit in Lebanon and um, the elites obviously have an influence on the government. So um, the Muslim minority was not super pumped about that and um, with the creation of the state of Israel in 1948, 49, somewhere in there 47 I don't know. I think uh, it was somewhere in there It's right in there uh, There was um, exodus of Palestinians so a lot of them ended up in Lebanon and there was also another one that um, Sometime in the 80s, I think, or no, I'm sorry, 60s. So, bef- right before this, so, um, the Muslim minority is starting to grow with you know this influx of Palestinians. Um, you know, there's always different kinds of like, uh, what am I trying to say, like refugees, and stuff. yeah, it was a,
1: a huge demographic shift.
0: So, um Uh, Of course, with Palestinians um, comes the the PLO, the the Palestine Liberation Organization, which was led by uh, Yasser Arafat. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, the PLO uh, definitely had influence over the incoming refugees and started to gain traction with like the, the local Muslim population already. And um, the tensions between the two religious groups, uh, like, had, like, started started to grow, obviously, they not only were they religiously different, but they also like had strict uh, political differences as well. Um, the, uh, let's see, um, the the Cold War, um, like our Cold War, actually helped polarize the politics in Lebanon at this time because um, the Maronite Christians um, were strictly with the West and uh, the opposition sided with the Soviet allied Arab countries. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, so the fighting between the two sides began um, early in 1975. Um, so this is, you know, the beginning of the Lebanese Civil War. And um, which was fucking crazy from what I've seen. Um,
1: Yeah, a lot of good movies uh, take place during that. Um, Just sheer chaos and a lot of pretty much every, it was already, you know, Lebanon's got a lot of different sects. And then besides all of them fighting each other, pretty all the other powers, you know, you had the, Soviets and Iranians and Israelis and um, Saudi Arabians (laughs) and Americans. Yeah. And everyone was just
0: fighting each other. Everybody. I mean, I was, I was on the, you know, Lebanese civil war wiki. And I mean, just the contributors uh, slash belligerents, you know, were the the list was so long. Like it, it was so many different countries, different countries at different times uh, you know, I mean, there's there's some theories um, later that we'll talk about that, like kind of bring in, like, yeah, like who was actually on the ground at the time? Everyone. You know? Everyone. <laughs>
1: well, and it's it's kind of similar to how Syria is today, but even even crazier.
0: Well, I, there's there's probably a huge heist story coming out of Syria sometime soon. We'll have to find it.
1: Maybe we should go to Syria and try and rob a bank.
0: No, no, I don't think so.
1: Come on, bro, yellow.
0: Oh no, I'm good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> hitting the bong uh, earlier, but I just have like allergies going on now. Yeah, oh. I don't know if I don't know if that is conveyed in my voice at all. Um, so okay, back to the fucking fighting. Um, Uh, fighting between the the two sides, the Christian flange and the PLO and and, uh, Muslim um, militias uh, started early in 1975. Uh, uh, Sorry, I'm reading. Okay, so this was like the spark uh, that began the whole, you know, intense conflict. You know, before this, it was just, some fighting, political disputes here and there. Of course, there was some, you know, skirmishes and whatnot, but it wasn't like a war yet. And then um, there was a high-ranking Falange um, member. Uh, he was actually killed outside of a church that he had just baptized his son in. So he was baptizing his son, and um, yeah, he got he got killed along with three uh, bodyguards of the boss of. Oh, Jesus, I'm reading my stuff out of order now because I wrote it weird and I really apologize. Um, so this began when a PLO uh, truck refused to obey like the phalange guards orders out front of the church in the street because they were directing traffic for security and stuff because there was really high ranking phalange members there. The, the boss of the whole Maronite, you know, phalange group, um, Pierre, Mil, um he's there uh and because he's there there's like a big uh group of security guards and shit armed security um so as the phalange guards out front are not letting this plo truck by the plo is getting really pissed off and like a, a scuffle ensues, not 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 nothing like you know armed or anything, but like you know the guys are kind of pushing and shoving, and somehow the driver of the PLO truck gets shot and killed. Really? So yeah. So I, I, there's <sighs> so 1970s a, Middle East civil war. Like it's really difficult to get clear information. So. A lot of this stuff is, like, did 90 people die? Like, I, you don't know. <laughs> Some, uh, you know? But so so, so the PLO truck got really pissed off, and they fucking left because one of their dudes had just got shot. And they thought this was just over. They thought it was one of the regular little skirmishes that had been popping up earlier in the spring. And um, uh, shit, again, I fucked it up. So about an hour later at 1030, um, two civilian cars roll up right when the congregation of the church is pretty much letting out from this baptism and um, masked armed men jump out of the cars and just start shooting people. Um, They managed to kill the father of the baptized son, who was a phalange militant and um, the high ranking phalange boss his bodyguards shoot back return fire and um, three of them are killed in the ensuing you know firefight um, so those guys get away um, and this fucking lights up the whole city like everybody's freaked out now um, the, the flange Christians are setting up roadblocks and the PLO and the Muslims are setting up you know other roadblocks everybody's checking IDs trying to find, you know, who these people were, get information. It's a fucking shitstorm. (laughs) So, um, after they set up the roadblocks and all this stuff, uh, a bus carrying some PLO-backed militants and Lebanese sympathizers, including women and children and shit, um, they were traveling through uh, Beirut and Um, you know, there's narrow streets, there's back alleys that they have to go through. There's, there's some madness already going on. So, you know, some of the roads are kind of blocked. Um, but, uh, they're actually passing by the same church that the shooting happened at earlier. And, um, Bashir, uh, but okay. So Bashir Gemayel, um, which is Pierre's son, the leader of the entire phalange, um, he's leading a squad of, uh, phalangist militiamen. Um, and they promptly open fire on the bus, uh, killing 27, wounding 19, um, driver included. It's fucking bloodbath. So this, this is essentially what people mark as the beginning of the Lebanese civil war. And it's fucking crazy. Um, in just in the first year of fighting over 80,000 people die, um, a hundred and thousand, uh, uh, 150,000 total, um, before it's, you know, confirmed ended in 1991. Um, there was a, an agreement signed sometime in 1989, um, that sort of, you know, kind of laid things out, put a different person in charge and, um, That guy was promptly assassinated like 17 days later. So that'll happen. Yeah. So car bomb and you're, you're gone. So, um, so yeah, that's, that shit was fucking crazy. I mean, the, this is, this happened, uh, the actual heist itself happened in 1976 in January. So this is just fucking going off. This is in the middle of, you know, chaos, like, Battles raging in the streets. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah,
1: that sounds sounds
0: intense. Yep. So, um, literally the next bullet point, um, I got tired of writing about fucking horrible civil war deaths and stuff. So, I wrote, fuck this, let's do shit. Um, so, the setting is uh, the British Bank of the Middle East um, in Beirut lebanon january 20th 1976. um this bank is a uh, big stone you know old school architecture wouldn't look out of place in any you know modern financial district kind of thing um it's on uh, i'm not going to try and pronounce the actual you know lebanese name but it's it's translated as bank street and um it's at the heart of the you know previously couple weeks ago uh bustling financial district in beirut um the bank is kind of somewhat still open uh if if i I don't know how um i believe there's power in the city um but there's still you know some transactions i guess i guess if you have enough fucking money you know you can say i want i want my money or my you know my safety deposit box or whatever um so, uh, this Bank Street runs pretty much right down the middle of uh, the Green Line, um, which is like a, uh, a standoff no-man's zone, you know, that runs down the city of Beirut. Oh, yeah. So, um, it divides the, let's see if I have this right. Yeah, the, the Muslim-occupied West and the Christian-occupied East. So, this bank is like right in the middle. And the streets right in the middle of this no man's land. You know, both both sides have kind of like set up their defenses. You know, a couple blocks away from each other, I guess. And you know, just exchange fire when when somebody's coming at them. I don't, I don't know how crazy urban guerrilla warfare worked in the seventies. There was um, now that I just said that I, I remember I didn't write it down. There was this crazy thing that happened it was called like the battle of the hotels um in beirut and this is early on in the civil war this has nothing to do with the fucking heist it was just crazy um so they were occupying entire like skyscraper hotels and the way that they would take them back from each other was to literally have to go floor by floor room by room and just clear out you know the opposition forces and they would fight from hotel to hotel they would fight within the hotels the shit lasted for fucking months like uh, it, oh man there's the there's a youtube video about battle that crazy
1: i'm gonna have to check that out that sounds interesting
0: it was yeah i got i got goosebumps in my, my voice is all fucking tight because i'm all jacked up with adrenaline just thinking about it um so all right <clears throat> So uh, in the middle of the night on uh, January 20th, um, two-man-operated uh, portable Israeli Soltam 60-millimeter mortars begin to hit both sides of the warring factions from within the green line. Um, barrages of fucking mortars uh, just, you know, hitting hitting their positions from the middle. And what it does is basically... Think that the other side is shelling them, and the other side thinks the other side is shelling them, but really they're both getting shelled on from the middle.
1: Classic, and, uh, classic Jewish tricks,
0: dude. It's it's crazy. Um, this co- this causes both sides to you know think that they're being attacked, which technically they are, and uh, like they have a big distracting you know firefight slash taking cover from fucking mortars. Um. As this is happening, uh, under the cover of mortar fire, a squad of eight soldiers assaulted the front of the bank. Um, these guys were armed to the fucking teeth. They, they had, uh, well, not, not like the, the LA guys, but these guys had state of the art for 1976 uh, stuff. Um, they had American made M16 assault rifles with um, M203 undermounted 40 millimeter grenade launchers um high powered browning pistols with 13 round staggered magazines this is like stuff that neither side of the PLO or the Christian Falange could even get their hands on at the time so so,
1: the, so these were probably israelis
0: uh, so so I'll say now just because it'll make it easier for me to tell the story but it, it, nobody knows nobody's ever been nobody's ever been caught none of this money has ever been found it's it's intense it's it's on every list of like top five biggest bank robberies you know top 20 craziest heists um, I'm pretty sure I don't know if it still is but it was listed in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's largest bank heist really yeah um, but uh, so anyway nobody's ever been caught nobody knows who done it not, nobody, you know, has ever found money or... Yeah. Um, crazy. So... Okay. Uh, these guys were dressed in like unmarked military fatigues, didn't show any, you know, country, any rank, insignia, nothing. Um, so they started by uh, firing their 40 millimeter grenade launchers into the bank um, and the fucking shit just shredded the interior of the bank it said that there were you know like wires and pipes you know swinging from the ceilings um you know pieces of big fancy marble and stuff uh cracking off the walls there was like fire there's a crazy picture of of the facade of the bank i i guess you know after this happened or just during the civil war at some point but it's just riddled with bullet bullet holes and it still says british bank of the middle east i think but, like, all the windows have, like, um, you could tell that there was, like, a huge fire inside. So, they, they just shred up the in- inside of this bank and whoever's inside. It never says if they kill anyone. All the articles I've read, it never says, like, if these guys kill anybody. But they're firing mortar barrages, so I don't think they really care. Huh. It, it's, like, it's, yeah. We'll, well, once I get through what, what happened... Um, uh, I pretty much have a blank page that just says theories with a couple little notes on it so we can really get into what we think happened All right, but yeah let's just get through it and so cause it's kind of funny because like most, most heists I don't know why there's like dumbassery afoot at all times but these guys were pros they were pretty pros but they were pretty professional, but there's always dumb mastery afoot, man. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, they shredded the inside of this bank, you know, the front lobby and everything. Um, they quickly took and secured the bank, you know, phase one accomplished. Um, now on to phase two, which is, of course, the vault. Um, the vault door was multiple inches of just solid fucking steel. It was secured into the wall with, like, internal interlocking bars Um, there's no way that, you know, you, you're, they're going through it. Even they don't have, um, you know, weapons that can, you know, bust through it. So, um, so they're not going to go through the vault door, but they're going to go through the wall, which is connected. The the bank is connected directly to a church. So they're going to go in through this church and blow a wall through the vault wall. You know, does that make sense? Yeah,
1: that makes sense.
0: And um, so there's like a specific degree of difficulty of this controlled demolition to allow entry one to not blow themselves up two and three to not damage the contents within the vault. So it's really specialized and super difficult. So that's also part of the theories. At you know, as to who is actually capable of doing this, um, so uh, it took two days, uh, right? Two whole days before any detonations actually happened. So, wait, so they
1: they storm the bank and then they just hold it for two days, yeah, with everyone inside
0: uh there's no, there's no speak anywhere of hostages or anything. But so,
1: there's so much pandemonium around that nobody even really notices or cares?
0: Pretty much, yeah. Basically, what, what they have to do is like if, you know, um, if one of the warring, uh, if one of the, you know, factions on either side gets too close or whoever, uh, you know, I'm sure that they fire on them or whatever. And they just outgun them totally with their superior uh, you know rifles and shit like you know n- nobody can really stand a chance to stop these guys huh yeah so it, and it's a pretty small crew too like nothing I've seen has really said more than like 12 to 15 people of this you know like first assault force and and this, this side of it um, so yeah two days before any explosions go off um it's believed that uh the court. Uh, okay there, there's a there's an island off of france or somewhere in the mediterranean i believe called corsica yep and there's a mafia there called the corsican mafia and they apparently have safe cracking experts um so they actually supposedly flew these guys in after like two days into beirut they get them to the bank um and then a uh, a highly advanced plastic explosive was shaped and carefully used to create entry into the bank's vault um, via the you know adjacent church.
1: So it was it was no, it's known that that's not a theory. They actually know that they used a Corsican bank cracking expert.
0: It, it's it's like it's it's theory number one. Like okay, I I, I saw okay so. How am I going to put this? I took a couple of different articles and all the numbers of how much they stole was the same. Um, and you know, all that stuff, some focused a little bit more on just like, you know, cinematics of this horse shit. And, uh, but there was one, uh, this guy had like gone and talked to, um, an SAS, uh, you know, commander or something, like retired SAS yeah. commander who claimed that the SAS actually did it. So really so yeah, so so like the you know, the newspaper story, Corsican Corsican Mafia um helps uh a combination of um Yasser Arafat's PLO, possibly his um they were called, like, Regiment 16 or something like that. Group 17. And it was, like, his personal badass bodyguard militia men. Yeah. They actually teamed up with uh, fucking Christian Flange in the middle of the Civil War. Huh. So, yeah. So, like, this this heist really brought Lebanon together for a minute.
1: Yeah.
0: Potenti- Potentially.
1: Bank robberies span all cultures and walks of life
0: it, it is pretty interesting when i was reading into it and I, and i really tried to like you know think about that and think about like what who who would do that now you know would it be like i mean maybe a couple of weeks ago it would be like you know the north koreans and the united states pulling off some big heist together but now that's too Too mainstream, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, boom. They're in the fucking vault. Uh, Nobody dies of the group. Um, They don't bust any of the money inside. Inside the vault is hundreds of fucking gold bullion bars. Um, They're 12 and a half kilograms each, which is about 27 pounds-ish. There's a fucking literal mountain. Of the goddamn things, uh, really, like the standard um, London—it's called like a London Good Something Bar, you know—and they're like ninety-nine point nine percent pure gold. It's oh, okay. Jackpot. Um, there's millions of dollars in cash of Lebanese currency and also like foreign currency, just you know, tons.
1: Yeah, but this is British money or the British bank. Is responsible for all this.
0: The British Bank of the Middle East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's just, I mean the the war broke out. You know, fighting yeah. broke out. Um, uh, there's also stock certificates, um, bearer bonds, um, all of that shit is usually insured, um, which uh, actually further adds to you know, the, the take basically, um, what they can do with that is, uh, in heat, actually, I I saw this first, you go and you take the fucking certificates or bonds or whatever, and you go back to the shady businessman and you say, Hey, like, I want to sell you this back. You're already getting the insurance money for it. How about you pay me two thirds of the actual value? And, you know, everybody's hunky dory. So that was pretty much the plan for that. So Overall, um, they, you know, looted all the individual safety deposit boxes. They got jewelry, rare coins, you know, gold, gold-plated fucking handguns. Who knows? Um, uh, in today's uh, U.S. dollar current exchange rate, it estimated about two hundred and ten million. Well Yeah, it's it's big. And if you add in all the sales of the stock, um, stocks and bonds, it it could be several multiplications higher than that really um, yeah it, it this this is for being like the biggest bank robbery in all time or whatever that it there's nothing on this in terms of like people get any follow-up um
1: and they pulled it off too they got away with it
0: they totally pulled it off they were fucking they i mean I, i'm picturing like half the guys you know Loading half the guys sitting around smoking Lebanese cigarettes and polishing their fucking M16s, you know? Like, because it took them another two days, possibly longer, to load this shit out of the vault and onto four fucking trucks. <laughs> That's how much there physically was. Really? What kind four of trucks truck-
1: were they? Were they, like, semis or...?
0: I don't know. It, it did not say. It didn't say... But the, the the Corsicans took um, roughly a third value of the loot in one in one truck. Um, they took it to Beirut Airport, where they had a charter DC three already waiting for them, and they just fucking loaded it and they disappeared back to Corsica and yeah, off into the sunset. That's um, what I'm
1: talking about.
0: After the after uh uh, they figured out that or after the bank robbers figured out that um, the Corsicans had made it out safely, they took their fucking three trucks to um, to the Beirut airport and uh, loaded it onto another plane. That plane headed straight to fucking Geneva, Switzerland, which basically means you're never going to see that again, and it's going to be totally legal once it lands, I, I guess. it's crazy.
1: Outstanding, yep. You just disappear right? into Switzerland. Nobody saw nothing.
0: That's it. So... That's it. That that's that's the heist. It it, it the, the first article I read, um, I it's saying it said like the bank robbery that lasted almost a week, and I was like, holy shit! I got to hear about that. And
1: I, I can dig it.
0: Yeah, I I just had to, and then I just started to go deeper into the Lebanese Civil War and all this stuff. I mean, if you really want to get down about civilization, look into it. Look into it. Um, but, yeah, so so the different theories about who actually did this. The first one, obviously, is like the main suspect is like the Yasser Arafat and the PLO um, kind of masterminded this and teamed up with the, uh, I almost called them Corsican Christians, the, the Christian phalange, the um, Maronites, um, to, to get this done. And once they got there, they kind of realized, like, shit, we don't actually have means to get through this door into the vault what are we going to do well somebody had some connections with Corsican Mafia members and um, yeah they pulled it off that way Um, but the really interesting one is this guy wrote that he uh, he had a conversation with a retired British um, for everybody that's listening that's kind of like what is that like the forces
1: yeah, that's a British Special Forces Special Air Services, I think it's called.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Um, is is it like very specific like the navy or is it all encompassing like our SOF?
1: Uh yeah, I mean it's it's basically like one of the branches special forces so like Navy SEALs kind of thing.
0: Okay. So like a retired one of those guys talks to this guy and he says like what's the biggest bank robbery of all time and the guy goes through like you know there's um, at the time there was recently like a big um, robbery in Northern Ireland Ireland there's um, the there's a famous Brinks mat robbery at London uh, Heathrow Airport um, a couple others and the guy's like nope none of those it's the British Bank of the Middle East and it you know we did it like, and just gives him this whole detailed thing. It was like a nine-man crew, which was three, uh, three men down due to some injuries from a firefight. They like um, they got shipped into uh, Cyprus, took a submarine, you know, entered under the cover of darkness, covertly made their way, and surveilled the bank for like a week ahead of time, and um, that's. That's when they, you know, started launching their mortars and, you know, that part of the story is pretty confirmed how it went down, but nobody's ever been found, man. So,
1: so with that theory, it would have been like the British government sending, uh, sending their people in to try and get their money out of the bank.
0: What they were trying, what, what the guy said that they were trying to get was a lot of the times these banks and like their, um, their safety deposit boxes have like a a strict confidentiality, you know, kind of thing. So so the theory is, you know, they were really going in there to look for, you know, potential bank statements, um, different kinds of funding documents for these terrorist organizations or different, you know, factions within this uh, civil war or different shit going on.
1: Or something that might like embarrass the Royal family, like in the
0: bank job. Is that is that what happens in the bank job?
1: Yeah, yeah, they were, uh, they they decided to look the other way on the bank robbery in exchange for this very damning and inf- damning photographs of the uh, princess. I think it was doing some things she not, should not have been doing—very unprincessly things.
0: Was it the prime minister fucking the pig from Black Mirror?
1: <laughs> oh, that was amazing. Oh my fuck. I think that was my all time favorite episode of anything ever.
0: That show's so good. I haven't uh, watched too much of the recent seasons, but, but that it, one, yeah.
1: It's it's hit or miss for me, but yeah, that one that one made it all worthwhile.
0: <laughs> so so yeah, that's one of the biggest fucking bank robberies of all time. And it happened in the middle of a war zone. I like it. Yeah, um, my notes trail off. So I don't know how my follow through is right now, but, uh, yeah, nobody got arrested. Uh, uh, accomplices. So that's good.
1: Yeah. That's, that's what I like to hear. I like to hear more bank robberies with a happy ending like that.
0: And, uh, yeah. So, uh, if you like that story, um, then, uh, definitely, uh, express your like on Instagram. Or Twitter and follow us at uh, Take the Money Pod. Um, also, you can give us five stars, which would be really cool. We haven't got we haven't gotten one yet, so uh, uh, I, I
1: honestly don't know how to do that. That's why we haven't gotten one. Too.
0: What do you What do you
1: mean? I can't figure out how to give a review on uh, on my my podcast listening thing.
0: Oh, so you can't even figure out how to like review our own podcast?
1: Yeah, I might be retarded,
0: but that's brutal. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so if we ever uh, like ran for political office, we'd probably get zero votes because we couldn't even fucking figure out how to vote for ourselves. Yep. Um, we need your support, so go and give us give us a review and a rating. Uh, slide into my fucking DMs on Instagram. That would be cool. Tell me if you listen to the show um, or tell me if you don't listen to the show. That would be great. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, what what the fuck else can I really say?
1: I don't know. I think that was good bank robbery. I like it. I'm going to go yeah. look up. You said it was the hotel battles?
0: Uh, yeah, it was like a battle of the hotels.
1: Battle of the hotels. we will check that out.
0: Yeah, that was that was crazy. But yeah, I'll, I'll post a, a couple of pictures on Instagram pretty soon. And um hey everybody, thanks for thanks for listening to Take the Money and Run. Um, the heist of your fucking ears and your time. I think Will might have said that last time. I thought it was a fucking great line.
1: Yep, uh, we're we're stealing your
0: time. Can't get it back. We got, we got it. If you listen this far, we fucking got it. You can't take it. Yep.
1: Now listen listen next week. Tune in next week. The same bad time, same bad channel. We'll steal some more of your time with another amazing heist word, dude. There All right.
0: Day, dude. Hell yeah. See you.